wife and I, we've come to a new stage in our parenting. Organized activities, organized sports. Uh, Some of you, you have been through that already. Maybe you're kind of past that stage. And then others of you, you're in the thick of it right now. You're probably way more invested in it than even my wife and I. But right now, we're trying to figure out not only how to have two kids in school, but also the extracurriculars. And so if you've been through that, if, if you've done that before, my question to you is, How do you do it? (laughs) Because there's like so much out there. And so how do you know what you want to get your kids involved in? How do you know how to keep the the schedule straight and everything that you want to do? I was talking with a friend about this in a coffee shop this week. And we're just talking about the challenge that is there for parents. Because this is what I've discovered. When it comes to those organized activities for your kids, there's kind of like two tiers. And the the first tier are those leagues and those clubs where you know it is going to be a commitment, right? This is serious. It is going to consume your life. You will travel soon. Your kids are going to be, they're going to eat, drink, sleep, baseball, football, basketball, soccer, dance, robotics, whatever it is, because it is going to become central and centering to their life. That's one option. And then it seems like the other option is more like this. Eh, well, you know, we might throw a ball or, or kick it. But really, we're just here to support your kids, show them that they're loved. You know, it's just all about fun. We don't even keep score. You know, it's not winning or or competition. It's about sportsmanship, character development, and those kinds of things. And so, you know, as a parent, you have a choice to make. You're kind of forced into this dilemma because you want your children to be well-equipped and and set up to do well at the next level, but at the same time, you also want to strike a healthy balance. And so, how do you find that balance? And different moms and dads, they're going to answer that question in different ways. Now, for some of you, you, you're all in, right? You, you will take on that heavy commitment. You will you'll go in for all the practices and, and all the games and, and the overloaded schedule, and you'll take on all the cost of the equipment and, and the jerseys and the fundraising that you need to do. And, and you will be tired. But you will love every minute of it. And then others of us, we might opt for a little bit lighter, a little bit easier approach. 
we might be we might say you know they're not be, going to become professionals in this anyway so it's okay we don't have to be so serious we we can just have fun and we're okay with that but you have to know what your goal is you have to know what you want for your children so that your expectations aren't either too high or too low. You need to know what you're getting yourself into so that when those expectations aren't met, when the reality is different, you don't become frustrated by it. And now, I'm not here this morning to give you practical parenting tips, but thinking through all of that, it got me to think about this series and the mission that God has given to his church, the activity of being and making disciples. And what do we think about that? What are our expectations for it? You know, as Jesus gives us that mission, does he want us to approach it with an attitude that, that says, eh, well, you know, well, we'll do some stuff. But really, it's, you know, it's just about some friendships. It's just, you know, a little community. But we're just here to have fun. Or does Jesus want us to approach that mission with an attitude that says, I'm all in? You know, last week as we got together, we mentioned this mission that Christ has given to his church as he met with his closest followers on a mountaintop in Galilee. And it was there by his supreme authority that he said to them, Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations. And we emphasize that this is your mission. And it's my mission. And it's the mission of Divine Savior Church. And since Jesus begins with his total authority claim, do you think that he is expecting us to take a, a week half-hearted approach to this mission? Or does Jesus want us to be all in on the mission that he has given to us? And if you're taking notes with me today, that's the first thing I want you to write down. Jesus wants us to be all in on his mission. And in order for us to be all in on his mission, then we need to fully understand what that mission is. And to fully understand what Jesus' mission is, we need to understand what a disciple is. Now, Jesus commissioned his church to make disciples. So what is a disciple? The original root word that's used there, it simply means to become a student or a pupil. But as you observe Jesus' interaction with his 
own disciples, his own followers, and how he led them, how he taught and instructed them, it's clear that disciple means so much more in a biblical context and in a Christian context. And as you see Jesus' explanation to this command, you'll, you'll see that there as well. So how would we define what a disciple is? When you're taking notes, the second point that we're going to make here today, our definition of disciple creates our expectations for this mission. Well, try on a definitions of disciple that we might use. Someone who believes, follows, and shares Jesus. Or a, a gospel-made follower of Jesus living out their faith. One who follows Jesus by faith, producing fruits in accordance with that faith. Is it our goal to simply introduce someone to Jesus? Is it our goal to just, you know, get somebody to attend a worship service once? Or, or, to introduce them to a concept like church? Or is it our goal to bring someone into a lifelong connection with Jesus Christ as their Savior and lifelong growth in their faith? And we aren't called by Jesus to make professional biblical scholars or church workers or pastors. And you know, that frees us from any kind of limitation that we feel we have because of our biblical knowledge or if we sense we have a lack of that biblical knowledge. But at the same time, Jesus doesn't call us simply to make church attenders. A gold standard of American Christianity where you can come to church and then you can check off that box on your weekend to-do list. That's really not what discipleship is, is it? No, Jesus doesn't call us or command us to make people who just dabble in religion a little bit. He calls us to make disciples. People whose faith lives itself out in action. Disciples strive to be more and more like Jesus. Disciples embrace his gospel message. Disciples live by his teachings. Disciples of Jesus, they are moved by their faith to serve others, to proclaim his praise. Disciples of Jesus, they are moved by their faith to trust in Jesus even when this life brings them down to their knees with the gut punches of pain and loss and sickness. Disciples of Jesus are moved by their faith to fight and struggle against their sinful nature that fights back and claws at their heart to rip it away from Jesus. 
disciples of Jesus come before their God in humility to confess their sins and seek out his forgiveness. And disciples of Jesus, they speak the good news of Jesus to others. Now, we understand that there will always be different stages of spiritual maturity that each and every one of us is at. And the, the fruits of faith, the, the activities of discipleship, they're, they're going to manifest themselves in different ways for different people. Yet, disciples of Jesus live a life that is changed and transformed by Jesus. That's the goal of Jesus' mission. And such a goal drives us to be all in. Which means that before you can make disciples, you must be a disciple. Before you can make disciples, you must be a disciple. Each of us called into this mission by Christ himself, we do well to ask ourselves if we have that growth mindset as a disciple. Last week I shared that all of us, that our mission as Divine Savior Church is that we've set this 10-year target. That 10 years out in the future, we want to average 5,000 people in worship across all of our campuses on any given Sunday. 5,000 people. But if that goal is merely about butts in the seats, then that goal is way too weak, and way too shallow. And so, there are other goals that are along the way to that goal. There are other steps. There's other things that we have put into place because we know that we will never reach that goal if the people of Divine Savior are not continuously maturing in their faith. So three years out, we want to see 800 people actively growing in God's Word outside of Sunday morning worship. We want to double our connect groups, and we want to double our DS Kids teams, and we want to double our follow-up teams. We want to make sure that every single person understands their unique role to play in our systems and our processes that we have strategically put into place so that we can grow in faith together. That's why we have a discipleship path. If I can get it up on the screen, you'll be able to see this. There's several steps that we've put in our discipleship path. 
We want people to discover Divine Savior Church, to connect with us in some way, and then start where they can learn the foundational truths of our faith and what we profess as a church. Grow helps us then to take that faith and see how it applies to every single day of our lives. Integrate. To get plugged in. Get connected to fellow believers. To serve your church, your community, your Savior. And then the final step there is engage. But it's not really a final step. It's not like you can graduate out of discipleship. This is really a lifelong step of continuing to be in God's Word, continuing to grow in your faith, serving, leading others. We've developed that discipleship path because we want maturity. And that path reflects high expectations. There is intensity and intentionality there. And so maybe, maybe that makes you think that this mission that Jesus has given us is even bigger than you thought it was before. And maybe it leads you to think that it's even more impossible. Because you know that there are so many things that stand against that mission. So many things out in this world, our busy schedules, the appeal of so much that's going to draw us away, try to distract us from focusing on our discipleship. Our sinful nature that would much rather find a different path, a lighter and an easier path. Our sinful nature that would much rather us take an approach of, to discipleship that says, eh, well, I could do something. And this path of discipleship, it has a fierce enemy in Satan himself. Because Satan can't stand your joy, or God's. And so with all that stands against our growth as disciples of Jesus, with all that stands against this mission, where? Where are we going to get the power to accomplish it? But Jesus has given you incredible power. He's given you the incredible power of the gospel. It's amazing truth of the intensity and the intentionality of God's own love for you. Because the gospel declares the overwhelmingly competitive nature of Jesus Christ's love for you. The gospel declares how God was all in on his mission to rescue yours. Jesus was all in to give his life as a ransom in place of yours. And nothing was going to stop him. Not your guilt. Not the searing pain of the cross. Not even a grave. And Jesus overcame all those obstacles to rescue you. 
And when Jesus gave his commission to make his disciples, to make more disciples, he followed it up with the activities that are going to accompany discipleship. Activities that center on the gospel. It was a gospel that Jesus used with his own disciples. As his teaching won them over to put their faith and trust in his person as the Messiah and in his work as their Savior. It was that gospel that he instructed them with that that had the clear expectations of godly morality and also declared the lavish grace and forgiveness of God. And that planted faith in their hearts. Discipleship begins with faith. And that takes the gospel. That takes this good news that God did not abandon us to our own sinfulness, but rather God was all in to redeem us. It would take all the time and every single action that was necessary, including the sacrifice of his one and only son for the sins of the world. And so it is the gospel that creates faith. It is the gospel that changes people's lives. It is the gospel that makes disciples. And we have been equipped with the power of the gospel. But God hides his power in simple tools. And so when you look at the activities that Jesus talks about, with his gospel message, with this commission that he gives to his disciples, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Water. So simple. So plain. It's everywhere. It's an everyday element. And yet when that simple, plain, everyday element, when it is connected and it is used in combination with God's own word, when it is used in the name of the God of all grace, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that water is applied to a human being, then the power of the gospel is at work. And the cleansing that takes place, it is not of the body, but it is of the mind, it is of the heart and of the soul. Baptism makes us children of God. Baptism creates faith. Baptism makes disciples. And God hides his power also in his word. Jesus continued, he said, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And that teaching would use the word of God the gospel, teaching how to follow God's commands. God's word creates faith. God's word helps us to mature and grow in that faith. God's word makes disciples. And if we have been given such incredible and powerful tools, if God has placed them right into our hands, then we have got to use them. We have got to plant that seed. We have got to speak the amazing message of Jesus because Jesus' mission, it's about winning. 
It's about winning souls for the kingdom of Christ. And Jesus' mission, it's about the score. The scores and scores of people who will walk across the eternal thresholds of heaven's gates because of the grace and mercy of Jesus. Jesus' mission is about a victory. The victory that he has already obtained for us through his life, death, and resurrection. A victory to which he has invited you and a victory to which he asks you to invite others. And this mission that he has given us to invite others through the impressive power of the gospel. So maybe it feels like we have come to a new stage as a church. But what do we want for our church? What do we want for divine Savior? As Jesus has given us this mission to go and make disciples, as he has placed these powerful tools into our hands, do we want to approach that with an attitude that says, eh, well, we could do some stuff. Or do we want to approach it with an attitude that says, we are all in on Jesus' mission? Let's take on Jesus' commission and the commitment for which it calls, the costs of discipleship. Let's take the powerful equipment that he has given to us in the gospel and let's go. And we'll be tired. But it's my prayer that you will enjoy every minute of it. It is my prayer that we will be all in on Jesus' mission. And all God's people who agree said, Amen. Amen.